Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. The blessings of God and the outpourings of the Lord from your past can be one of the greatest obstacles of the blessings and the outpourings of God in your future because you try to frame him into a way that God is not frameable. You cannot put God in a box. What the Lord is doing at Asbury University Wednesday a week ago, I believe, a bunch of students in a very traditional-looking room Let me just set the settings for you in case you don't know. They're in a chapel that has a pipe organ on the back wall. Above the, above the, there's no screen. Above that pipe organ, you can see the words, holy as unto the Lord. I think that's key. They're in a room with stained glass. And the lights are all the way on. There's no colored lights, no LEDs, no smoke machines. And at some point, the 1,200 people who were in that auditorium, that 1,200-seat auditorium, these young people, these 20-year-olds, that's right, 20-year-olds, they finally realized... Jesus was enough. That you didn't have to have all that extra stuff. That that stuff didn't do anything to change your life. That that stuff, all the extras and the and the fillers and the icing on the cake, that it didn't really matter. But when you came with a hungry heart, even the simple, let me, I believe God's attracted to the simple. We make things so complex. We make revival complex. We, we, we believe that we have to fill this out. We have to have the right speaker and the right music and the right day and the right schedule and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. God could break out in revival this morning, tomorrow, next Sunday, on Wednesday night. It doesn't matter. Revival can happen anywhere. It's as simple as this. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. Revival is about moving from death to life. It's going from a dead status quo, ho-hum religious state into a place of vibrant fire and life and renewal. And that's what God is doing. And he is sovereignly doing that. The moves of God are sovereign. I think it's wonderful. All they were doing was they just began worshiping the Lord. And when when hungry hearts come together, let me tell you, God runs to a hungry heart. (laughs) The Lord runs to hungry hearts, especially if there's a big group of hungry hearts. What's happened so often is that God can't run to a hungry heart because most of them are full. And God can't fill a heart that's already full. And we get full of the world. 
And God says, until you empty that out, I can't pour in. There is no revival to be had with a, with a full vessel. And so what I, as I've read, I've noticed one thing that's been very remarkable about the Lord pouring His presence upon people is there has been a marked focus upon repentance. And you know what repentance is? Repentance is taking that jar of our life that's full and cutting the bottom out and draining that thing of all the things that we have poured in there. That's what repentance is. And you empty your life. You say, Lord, I am done with that. And the Lord says, let me take it from here. And then he fills your life full from the top. And he begins to pour in. And that is revival. You move from a state of death to a state of life. He's sovereign in his movements. Our role is to be hungry and to be empty, ready to be filled. But he is sovereign. You don't schedule breakthroughs. You can put revival on the calendar, but you do not schedule breakthroughs. When Thomas Edison was trying to figure out the light bulb, he didn't put, I will discover electricity and the light bulb on February the 20th. What did he do? He kept experimenting. He kept pressing. He kept getting after it day after day after day. And then suddenly one day, as he went into his his, uh, lab, wherever it was, and did exactly what he had been doing, working with this stuff, all of a sudden, a breakthrough, the light came on. He didn't plan on it. He didn't know that was going to happen as he ate his eggs and bacon that morning. He had no idea. But somehow, that moment, the right elements came together and a breakthrough occurred. God is no different. As the right elements begin to be assembled in our church, let me talk personally to us. When the right elements begin to be assembled in our church, and I believe we've got a lot of the elements and the ingredients. When they become assembled, there will be a moment in this church. Hear me, I'm speaking to you. When enough people are hungry enough tired of the status quo, tired of business as usual, tired of just church as usual, coming and doing my routine on the weekend. When they say, God, I want you and I will not be satisfied until I have all that I can hold. Until that moment, when all those pieces are assembled, we can expect that breakthrough. And what's going to happen after that? Well, I don't know. Edison didn't envision LED lights or fluorescent bulbs. He just knew the light came on. It's the same way as God begins to move in your life. There's going to come a moment when light's going to happen. Light's going to come on. And where he takes it from there, well, that still remains to be written. But I want you to be hungry and be open because I believe God wants to move in our midst in the same way. We've got a lot of the right elements. We nurture the presence of God around this place. We don't, we don't have an agenda. 
The Holy Spirit has the agenda. We just show up and say, Lord, what do you want to say to us? My prayer is revival. My prayer is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. May that be our prayer. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want you to take your Bibles real quick. I'm going to spend just a few moments sharing with you what the Lord has laid upon my heart. I'll just use this mic. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Sounds like something is very, very powerful. If it can do surgery on you to the innermost beings of your even own heart, that is a very powerful weapon. The message I want to share with you this morning real quickly, quickly and briefly is probably the linchpin of all of the messages that I'll pre- that I've preached in this series before and all the messages that I will preach even afterwards. Because this message is about the Word of God. You see, our world is filled with a lot of deception and falsehoods. Scams are at an all-time high. How many of you have had scam or, phone or scam calls on your phone this week? Or you've got scams in the mail? or email scams, or there's scams all over the place. And let me tell you, we have a propensity as just human nature to, we have a propensity to fall for scams. We have a propensity to be deceived. And you say, well, that's not, that, that's because there's so much. No, 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 really, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That's where I want to build this. Because if you go back to the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve, you'll see that they were given everything that you could, they, they could ever ask for. They were given everything in life. They were told to go and multiply everything that you see. It's yours. You can use it to your benefit. They were told to multiply, to go subdue the earth. You're in charge. But they were given everything that, that they needed except for one thing. They were given a command. The Lord said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, He says to the man, He says, You are free to eat from any of the tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now that's not vague. That's not complicated. That's not ambiguous. He says you can have everything except that right there. God wasn't trying to trick anybody. He just plainly stated, Look, don't eat of that tree. And that's exactly the moment that Satan comes in to use leverage and to try to scam and to lie. And he begins to attack both mankind and the authority of God's Word. Because in the next chapter, in Genesis chapter 3, you'll see Satan approach Eve. And these are the words. The first four words that Satan spoke to mankind were these four words. Did God really say? Did God really say? If you know the Lord, if you are following Jesus, can I just tell you that from the time that you start your journey with God until the last day that you take your last breath, 
God's authority in your life will be challenged by those four words. Did God really say? And he moves on into the next verse. In verse 4 he says, You will not surely die. So not only does Satan cause you to want to doubt what God says, but he wants you to doubt God. What if God is even trustworthy to keep what he says he has said. And so it's not just did God really say, but... but you won't really die. You, surely God is, doesn't mean what He says. And Adam and Eve completely fall for that scam in that lie. And that becomes the turning point in all of humanity. Like Adam and Eve, each of us this morning, every day, we have to make a decision. A choice is given to all of us. Will we accept God's Word in our life? and let it be the guiding authority for us, will this book, will this revelation to us be our guiding authority, the, the compass of our life, or will we use our own reasoning and our own thinking and our own opinions? Are my thoughts and my opinions on the same level as God's, or is God's Word above all other things? We know that in our world we have more information available to us than at any time in the history of mankind. With a few mouse clicks, you can find an argument that will challenge God's Word at just about every turn. The Internet has become our Tower of Babel. It is the place where all of the information that can be pushed at you against to stand against God's Word, and you have to make that decision. Is my opinions or the information that I find going to be above the Word of God? Is God's Word going to be subservient to my own opinions and thoughts? And this antagonism is the difference, friends, as I've been preaching, between a believer and a disciple. You see, a believer will read God's Word, listen to God's Word in a sermon, be taught God's Word, and then they will decide if they believe it or not according to if it conflicts with their idea of happiness or if an opinion that they have already had but a believer and a disciple are different because a disciple, before they even get to God's Word, they've already made up their mind that His Word is what is going, they are going to submit their life to. And whatever they read, it rises above their opinion and their thoughts. Even if it challenges what they really want. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul reminds Young Timothy, when he says, I want you to preach the word. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instructions. In verse 3, he says, For a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. A time's going to come when people only want to be told or, or taught or preached to what they want to hear, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and aside to miss. That time is now. Now let me just let me let me be pastoral for you just a moment. There is a lot of preaching and teaching out there, and you can find a lot of them. There's some good stuff out there that you need to grab a hold of. 
I don't claim to be the greatest preacher in the land. And there's some people who have some incredible thoughts and skills when it comes to exposition of the Word of God. But in the same day, there was all this preaching and teaching in Paul's day, and he wanted Timothy to understand. He says, look, the, if you are only listening to preaching and teaching that complements your life and never challenges you to make any corrections, you are not receiving the full counsel of God's Word. You're not hearing the Word. You're hearing your desires. You're hearing what you want to hear. It's like going to a restaurant and ordering dessert. You may feel good, but you're not healthy. You can have all of the, of the ice cream and cookies and chocolate pie that you want, but you will not have a healthy body because you cannot complete, completely sustain yourself on sweets. You can't just feed on what you want to hear. You have to feed on what you need to hear. And you must receive the truth of God's Word. I want you to stay with me because I'm going somewhere this morning. And that's the key right there is what is truth? What is truth? Jesus said in John chapter 8, He says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. For they will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He didn't say the truth will make you smart or the truth will bypass all of life's circumstances. He said the truth will set you free. That's the real question, though. What is the truth? What is truth? Everybody has an answer to what truth is. And if you were really being honest, the reality is, is that everybody has a truth. We all have a truth. In our world... Everybody has a truth. But here's the way it works. I have a truth that's true for me. You have a truth that's true for you. But your truth may not be my truth. And so you just need to accept my truth, and I'll accept your truth, and we'll all just get along. Can I tell you, that's not the type of truth that will set you free. That truth will get you nowhere. The only truth that you can find is in God's Word. There is a difference between a truth and the truth. Come on. There's a difference between an a truth and the truth. Here, for example, suppose you're sick. Suppose you're sick. You go to the doctor. You're diagnosed with something. A disease may be in your body. Now, you can argue with him and say, I'm not sick, as you cough and snot runs out your nose. That's not the way God intends for us to be, denying reality. I've seen that doctrine preached, and I'm thinking, how ridiculous is that? You can confess all day long as you sneeze on my face that you're not sick. Get away from me. You're sick. After I lay hands on you, go to bed. They have a truth that's given to them by a doctor. You are sick. You may be sick. That is a truth. But the truth is this. It's found in James chapter 5. It says, if any of you is sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. That is the truth. 
The truth is that when the doctors say, I can't help, there's nothing else I can do, Isaiah tells us that he took up our infirmities, that he carried our sorrows, that he was afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed. That is the truth. The truth is is that if you're living with a sickness and you've had it for a long time, if you're a diabetic or you have all types of different things that you've lived with for a long, long time, remember the truth that Jeremiah speaks. I will restore you to health and heal your wounds. There is coming a day when you will not have any sickness and you will not have any pain and you will not have any threat of disease upon your life. And that is the truth. There's a difference between a truth and the truth. A truth may be, I'm broke. I can't pay my bills. I have more going out than I've got coming in. That is a truth. And a lot of people live with that truth, especially in this day and age. $5 eggs, don't get me started. But the truth is, Philippians 4.19 says that my God will meet all my needs and supply all my needs according to His riches and glory, not, thank God, according to my bank account. The truth is that 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, you will have all that you need. What a promise. What a truth to live by. God, I may not see it, but I know that you're going to provide all that I need. Maybe not all I want. He may not park a Lambo in your front yard, but he's going to give you that Buick that'll keep you going. Come on, somebody. That's the truth. He'll supply your needs. And I can tell you that I have seen that. I've seen that in our own family. I've seen that in this church. I've seen it in a number of your lives. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, Jan, or their seed begging bread. I've never seen God's people saying, oh, I'm destitute and without. God is going to find a way. So if that's you this morning, I want you to know God is already finding a way to give you what you need. He's going to give you what you need. You may be working from sunup to sundown. You say, God, I can't do this very long. I can't keep this up. And that's what he's saying. Exactly what I needed to hear, son. Because I'm fixing to kick in. Just keep doing it. Keep after it. Just wait till I start messing with your finances. Now, you have to understand the truth. You have to put him first in all things. But that is the truth. You see, a believer lives by a truth, but a disciple lives by the truth. And that makes all the difference in life because you can go through all types of different things and as long as you know the truth, you can survive it. A believer gets their truth from experience and education and their feelings, but a disciple gets their truth from the Word of God and they stand upon it. And it helps you. It, makes you, it, it helps you to navigate life. When Jesus was praying for His disciples. He said in John seventeen seventeen, He said, Your Word is truth. Can I just tell you, in whatever area of your life that you find yourself doing really good, can I tell you the Word of God is probably tied to that. 
Conversely, if there's an area in your life that you're not doing well, I will promise you it's also tied to the Word of God. Because of the truth of God's Word says that if you follow His Word, He will uphold His Word in your life. Some of you may not be listening to the truth. You may be listening to the enemy. Did God really say? Or does God really mean it? You say, well, I'm not beautiful enough. I don't have enough talent. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I'm not enough. God's Word says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, young lady. I'm not successful. I'm not making the money that all my friends are making. I'm I'm not supporting my family the way I really want to. Let me tell you something. God says that you are the apple of His eye, young man. Father, He's watching over your family. Let me tell you something. He can do more for your family than you ever could working that eight-to-five job. He's going to be faithful. Stand on the truth. You see, knowing the truth will not exempt you from life's troubles, but it will let you see heaven's realities. That's what the Word of God does in our life. The truth of God brings freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from depression, freedom from discouragement, freedom from from, uh, defeatism. That's what the truth of God does. So if you're here today and you say you believe in Jesus, but you don't align yourself with God's Word, you may believe, but you are not a follower. Now that's hard candy right there, but that'll help you. God's Word must be the utmost in our life. It must be the ultimate authority. We must be governed by the Word of God in all that you do. There there can be no deviation. There can be no excuses. God's Word. Let me quickly just say this. We live in in a day where the gospel of tolerance is preached. The gospel of tolerance. It says... I'm a man, but I feel like a woman today. And so I want you to accept that, and I want you to accommodate me. I want you to make laws that accommodate me. I want you to accommodate me, and I want you to to support me, and I want you to accept my truth. And that gospel has crept into the pulpits of churches. And in that gospel of tolerance, we've replaced that tolerance behind pulpits of the word tolerance with love. And what has happened is it has, it has produced an idea that salvation is no longer based upon the truth of God's Word, but salvation is based upon the tolerance of human condition. Friends, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a gospel of tolerance that was puked out of the bowels of hell because it has, it has caught up many, many people to believe that that you can dismiss God's Word simply because of using it with a defense of love. Well, what if your kids were raised with the gospel of tolerance? What if little Johnny was in here in the auditorium and all of a sudden he's stripped down naked and he's running around the church naked? Oh, come here, Johnny. You can't do that. We don't want you to do that. Let me just talk to him. Would you tolerate that? Would you tolerate it if he began to talk back to you and he began to tell you that he didn't want to go to bed? Well, we just need to have a good conversation with him. 
and we need to discuss how he's feeling, and we need to work these things out. Let me tell you something. That's the tolerance. That, that is a gospel of tolerance. You don't raise your kids that way. And if you do raise your kids that way, they will, it will result not only in chaos in your home, but it will result in chaos in a society as they grow older. Because there are no guidelines. There are no boundaries. We just allow things to go on because, because we believe we're supposed to tolerate things. Let me tell you something. It's just like the garden. It's just like Adam and Eve. God puts barriers around us to protect us. That's what God's Word does in your life. It's not a restrictive, rule-oriented thing. It, God says, look, if you'll follow my Word, it will protect you from what is outside those barriers and guardrails. God's Word is protective of us. It is not restrictive. And see, that's the wrong perspective that so many see. They come to church and say, all these Christians, they're so restrictive. They're so intolerant because they won't allow this and won't allow that. No, no, no. We play it safe, my friend. We know that what's outside that barrier, it, it leads to a crash. I mean, we just got back from Colorado. You drive some of those mountain passes, guardrail, 500-foot drop. Thank God for guardrails. Thank God that, that, they're, they're, that they thought to put something there to keep me on the road. Because they've seen me drive. Or they've seen my wife drive. Maybe that's why they put those guardrails up there. All the fellas said amen to that one. God's Word is protective for you. That's why if you're governed by the Word of God, you are in the safest place you could ever live in your life. God's Word protects your finances. Did you know that? God's Word protects your children and protects your family. And as you live according to God's Word, He protects and wants over you. That's why it's not restrictive. That's, like, that's why when we, when we live our lives and, and when Shannon and I raise our family and we, we do everything, we do it by God's Word. And I say, you know what? That's the safest investment I could make is to live my life according to God's Word. It produces returns in my life. I've seen it. You've seen it too. The Word of God produces return in your life that you cannot find anywhere else. So let me quickly just cover those notes real quick that you have. Let me just give you some reasons why the Word of God, why we should believe in it. Number one, because His Word's the only option that really makes sense. Now, I came to the Lord a long time ago when I was young. I was raised in a pastor's home, so I didn't really have a whole lot of options, but I have examined some of those options in my lifetime and tried to check out what are the other things are on the other side of the hill. When you look at atheism, you have to accept the idea that... You have to accept the idea that you just showed up here by accident, that you are nothing but a cosmic accident, that everything happened in your life just by chance. Let me tell you something. That takes a whole lot of faith. When you look around the world around you and the complexity and the absolute fine-tuning in our universe and you say, yep, it just happened that way, that takes a whole lot of faith. And I'm thinking, that just doesn't work. And you have to believe, you have to believe of survival of the fittest and goodness and kindness are actually uh, obstacles to advancement of the human nature. I can't buy that. That's not a good option for me. You got new age as an option. You know, new age, they believe that, that they are somehow evolving into gods. Now, 
just look around you right now. That's an absolutely wrong idea, okay? Just look at the people sitting next to you. Really? That ain't going to work for me. And the crystals and that kind of stuff, that's just odd. You know, I just can't do that. So that's not an option. Hinduism, that's not an option. Because to be reincarnated, you know, I mean, you start off as a cricket. And then if you're a good and you live a good life, then you might become a gopher. You know, and if you and if you really do well, you know, and you and you and you really, you know, don't mess up, you know, the, the lawns too bad, you might get to become a dog. And then if you get to be a dog and then you do something wrong, then you're gonna go back to the beginning to the worst thing, you're gonna be a cat. I'm sorry, you cat lovers. Those cats, you just don't, you can't trust them. I'm telling you, you cannot trust a cat. They give you, they give you that stink eye, man. They're just, they're waiting for you to turn your back. So I can't buy that Hinduism stuff. I can't buy the Buddhism either. Buddhism says we're going to detach from everything. And the guy that came up with this, he was a big dude. He needed to detach from the buffet. I'm sorry. I need to get back to my thoughts. Let's detach. Let me tell you something. I've been around enough, enough of you long enough to know that I've, there's enough people that's detached from reality. We need all the attachment. I want to attach to something. So that wouldn't work for me. Islam won't work for me. I mean, this guy had slaves, he had concubines. He had 12 wives. X that one out immediately. I'm happy with one, but that's all I can handle. He encouraged violence against anyone who disagreed with him. I'm like, come on. I can't buy that. Tell you what, the Word of God is the best option. And in today's world, we've got two other, two other thoughts. One... One is pluralism, and that's that every religion is valid. This is Oprah. Every religion is valid. That's like saying every color is the same color. How ridiculous is that? There's, there's ones that work and ones that don't. There's truth and then there's not truth. There is syncretism, and that is where you just kind of like, it's buffet religion. I'll take a little bit of Hindu. I'll take a little Buddhism. I'll take a little Christianity. But I won't take it all. I just like certain parts of it. I'm going to take that chapter out. And I'm going to take that chapter out. And I'll take a little new age. And I'll take just whatever I want. A little bit of world. Just secularism. And I'll pile it all together. And then I'm going to be spiritual. How many of you have heard that recently? No, I'm not a Christian. I'm not into that stuff. I'm just spiritual. No, you're confused. You're not spiritual. It's the best option. That's why the Word of God... That's why we believe in it is because it is the best option. Secondly, his word is the most prophetically accurate book of all time. 300 prophecies, just real quick, 300 prophecies about Jesus were 100% accurate over 1,000 years before Jesus ever showed up on the earth. The more they dig in the dirt in Israel, the more they prove the Bible right. The more books that atheists write, like Josh McDowell and all these other guys that, that, that tried to disprove Christianity, the more they get proved wrong and they end up on a Christian television station saying, I found the truth. Thank God. You should have figured it out a lot 
earlier. It's pretty obvious. Third thing is that his word actually works. I said it again. Whatever area of your life that's working, let me tell you something. It's directly tied to the word of God. And wherever you are struggling, it is directly tied to the lack of the understanding in God's word. So how do I allow the word of God to govern my life? Daniel, won't you come? You have to elevate his word above all of your thoughts and all of your opinions. We've got a baptism coming up. This, this guy right here, he's, he's getting ready. You have to elevate the word of God above your thoughts and your opinions. 24 hours a day, your thoughts and your opinions have to be subject to every area of the word of God. Secondly, how do you do this? You believe that His Word will never fail, regardless of circumstances. Let me tell you something. The Word of God speaks health to your body. It speaks strength to your marriage. Come on, husbands and wives. It does. It springs brings encouragement to those who are single. It brings financial peace to those who are struggling financially. But what happens is too often we put more faith in our trouble than we put in our answer. I love the scripture in Mark chapter 11 where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea and doesn't doubt, but believes in his heart what he says, it will happen. It will be done for him. Here's here's something that you need to take away this morning, friends. We have to learn to stop speaking about the mountain and start speaking to the mountain. That was a weak amen, and that was a great idea or thought right there. Stop going on Facebook and telling everybody how big your mountain is. Start speaking to your mountain and say, get out of my way. The Lord has given me authority over this addiction. The Lord has given me authority over this spirit of poverty upon my life. The Lord has given me authority over this depression and this discouragement. Speak to it in the name of Jesus and cast it into the sea. Cast it out of your way. And then finally... You have to move from hearing to doing. You've done a lot of hearing this morning. I hope you've heard some truth. If it came from his word, you did. James tells us that we can't deceive ourselves. James 1.23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. We can't become self-deceived and be a believer, but not a doer. I encourage you, if you see something in the Word of God that gives you an action step, do it immediately. Because that's the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, act upon this now. If it has to do with asking for forgiveness of someone, do it. Don't hesitate. 
If it has to do with you praying for someone or making a call or sending a text, do it. Because the Word of God has has opened the doorway and the Holy Spirit has brought that to your attention. If it has to do with your giving and your finances, do it. Do it. Don't be a hearer and not a doer. So let me close with this thought. The starting point of being governed by the Word of God begins with Jesus. Because in John chapter 1, 14, He says, the, and the Word, the Logos, John 1, 1, the Logos became flesh and He made His dwelling among us. So when Jesus became flesh, as we go to the Word, our flesh becomes like Him. Does that make sense? Did you catch that? As we we allow the Word to come within us, then we become more like Him. And it's more than just reading your Bible. How dreary is that? It's about engaging the Word of God, allowing Him to protect us on all sides, following His commands and saying, Lord, where you lead me, I will follow because my life is governed by your Word. Your authority is my authority. And so today, it's all about Him. And this morning, I'd just like for us, before we have a celebration of baptism, I want us to bow our heads all over this room this morning as we get ready to close. If there's anybody in this room, and you know that you're living a life, you're doing things that you know are opposed to the Word of God, but you're doing it because you feel like it's the right thing that you want to do. Or you have an opinion that's different. And you want to make that change today. Let me tell you something. You need to ask Jesus to come and to forgive you of not just singing against the Lord, but of your thought process to think that you and your reasoning and your opinions are elevated to the same place of God's authority. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, would you just pray for me? Because that's that area of, of trying to just live by the Word of God, it's a struggle for me. Uh, there's some things in my life. If you just raise your hand, I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Lots of hands going up. I just want to pray with you. Yes, ma'am. I want to pray with you this morning that the Lord's going to allow you to be governed by His Word. It's the safest place that you can live your life. And let me tell you something. When you begin to follow and walk in the Word of God, blessings of the Lord will begin to flow upon you. You will cleanse out that vessel just like what we talked about. When you repent, you will cleanse out yourself. And if you begin to feed yourself upon the Word of God, the breakthrough will come in your life. There will be a breakthrough in your finances. There will be a breakthrough in your marriage. There will be a breakthrough in your children, a breakthrough in your family. And let me tell you something. There's going to be a breakthrough in this church as we continue to follow the Word of God. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I pray that this morning, Lord, that you would help us, oh God, to allow your word, the authority of your word, from the Ten Commandments to the Sermon on the Mount, Lord, to be the highest directive of our, of our lives. Father, I pray that, Lord, that those, Lord, who are struggling in certain areas of their life, that they would just ask you, Lord, to forgive them, Lord, for God, for usurping your authority. And that, Lord, instead, that they would, Lord, submit themselves to your word. Lord, help them to follow you. 
encourage them, Lord, by the Holy Spirit to, to just follow after you and to just be led, Lord. I praise you, Lord, today for your word and for its power in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.